1: I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to the regulation and Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God." As I've said on this show many times before, Catholics must all be doing something. It doesn't matter if you're working in political activism, trying to hold your bishop accountable, or sharing the faith. If you want to have any reasonable expectation that you'll make it to heaven, you have to be doing something. Our guests this week are Catholics who are doing something, and they have some great advice to help you to do something. You've heard my commercials about my bulletin insert program for parish priests to subscribe to so their parishioners can learn the Catholic faith. The only problem with this program is that the vast majority of priests either don't care about relieving their flock of their catechetical ignorance or they're too cowardly. Either way, these inserts do no good if they don't get into the hands of the people. Well, I've found a way to get each one into your hand. I've renamed these small articles Secrets of the Catholic Faith, and you can get one into your email inbox every week from Substack. It only costs $5 a month or $50 a year. Just click on the link in my show notes at cantankerouscatholic.com. I told you that the first segment of the show would mostly be political. And doggone it if I didn't have Father James Altman last week, and we're talking about Catholics doing something this week. Well, these are pretty much political. Remember that it was politics in his preaching that brought Father Altman to the attention of the American people when he said that you can't be a Catholic and a Democrat. For 21st century Catholics, at least in America, our faith and politics are inseparable. Everything in politics today deals with morality, so we don't have a choice but to be involved. So political activism is certainly something where Catholics can be doing something. Few of us think about politics being something that we get involved in for the sake of Christ and his kingdom, but I assure you that it is. Of course, the only way political activism counts toward something that helps you get into heaven is if your motivation behind it is spiritual rather than temporal. This week's guests are politically active, and I'm sure it's motivated by our faith, but that's not the reason they're here on this episode. They're here to talk about something they do as Catholics, and in the process they offer some very good advice that should encourage you to begin doing something. We had Pat and Kimberly Burke on the show two months ago. As you'll recall, they're a couple who took over the Sharing the Catholic Faith webinars for me when it became apparent I couldn't continue them myself. Pat and Kimberly are back this week to update us on the webinars and how it's apparent that they're where God wants them to be. They're also giving some very sage advice on how to begin doing something, and how you can know when the Holy Spirit is guiding you in that particular work. Before I play the interview for you, I think it's important to mention that the Burks are just an ordinary Catholic couple. They have four kids, they go to Sunday Mass, they have family events, they're just average. The only difference between them and the typical Catholic couple today is that their entire family life is completely, absolutely centered around Christ and His church. Enjoy the interview. Six Pack Warriors, here we are again with Pat and Kimberly Burke. We had them on just a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, what I wanted to do was show you about Catholics doing something. The and the birds are certainly doing something. How are you, Pat and Kimberly? We're we're very good,
2: Joe. I how how are you? Doing well, yeah.
1: Doing well. Oh, I'm as happy as a tornado in a trailer park.
3: <laughs> we're very excited to be back on with you though.
2: Thank you for yes, having
1: us. Thank you. That's that's good. I appreciate you being here. Listen, I wanted to uh mention a few things here. You know <laughs> I want to start this by saying that I've been a lay evangelist since I was a catechumen. I've been used by God to uh, make over 200 converts and reverts over the last 30 years, uh, 35 years now. And we've made a a few through the show. But I want to explain something to you. For audience, for, for listeners who don't realize this, I was doing weekly webinars uh, called Sharing the Catholic Faith. Due to my health, I was having to give that up. And Kimberly and Pat reached out to me and said they wanted to do it. They thought they needed to stay in existence. So I consented, and they started doing them. And they do a remarkable job, incidentally. But I have to tell you, you don't have to be a Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, to do this kind of thing. And I'll tell you why. I use the very same identical material on sharing the Catholic faith webinars that I used in making every convert I've ever made. And I'm polished at it. I'm good at it. I have to admit that. I, You know, 35 years of practice makes good. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Do I consider Pat and Kimberly to be polished? No, they're not. They are no. not there polished. Nope. They will nope. get nope. polished, but they're not polished yet. And yet, I want to explain something to listeners. These Catholics doing something are exactly where God wants them to be. And the reason I say that is because they consistently, every week, get more attendees to the webinar. They consistently every week get more registrants for the webinar. The people who don't attend, they can at least listen to the recordings. They get more than I ever did. And furthermore, they're having brand new people, at least one a day, usually two or three, sign up to get on the list to get the invitations. That's remarkable. That shows you that they are where God wants them to be. These are Catholics doing something. Now, why don't you just tell the listeners a bit about uh, your experiences with doing the webinar?
3: Yes, sir.
2: Uh, sure. Uh, thank you. Thanks, thanks, Joe. Um, and yes, you, you, you are very polished and you have done a wonderful job. We obviously listen to you. Uh, with the webinars on a weekly basis uh um for... and we
3: listen to your old webinars before we do our new webinars
2: yes but you know so we were yes long time fans and listeners and, and and you know I you know we're not keeping up with uh, you, you filling your shoes but we're certainly trying and I think we, we've done five episodes now and I think each episode has gone uh better and better as far as how we've have uh, been able to use your material to present it and 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 also the equipment that we we've uh, made some upgrades in, in some equipment and um but it you know it it is going well every week is uh um kind of a new adventure a, a new uh, you know I I learn something as uh, you know religiously or f- from the catholic faith every week that we have prepared um could be something small like last week it was the the, the deacons and being married and if you're if you're a permanent That's deacon and your' your wife died yeah you can't necessarily remarry without the permission of your bishop but, um, but just you know little things and, and bigger things uh, but so it's it's been a learning curve for us uh, and again it's it's us learning more about our faith and I think it's a continuous journey uh, you know, where you, every day, as you try to learn something, you do learn something. And, yeah. Um, and,
3: and we've just also learned that we pray about every, you know, before we practice the webinar. We before we do the webinar, we just pray that, you know, that we give the message that so God wants others to hear. Right. We also pray that he will send the people yes. who need to hear it um, or who can share what we're saying with other people and he keeps, he has, we've, we've got, um, you know, my mom is a really big, um, Advocate telling all for, her friends. Yeah. Um, yes, He's been, <laughs> so, um,
2: yeah. been great marketing.
3: Parts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, also I have a couple of good friends who are telling everyone and, um, I'm not a big Facebook person, but, um, I, there is a Lake Nona, Catholic's Facebook page, and so I will post on there, letting them know what we're doing. And I think a few people are coming. So I'm only doing it if I get inspired. We we won't do anything unless you know we feel like the Holy Spirit's calling us to do it. But um, right, it's been oh my gosh, it's been a lot of fun learning. It's been a lot of fun. Sometimes it's a little been stressful, a little...
2: right? Especially the first couple of weeks. <laughs> it, it, it would come a long way, Joe. I don't know if we ever shared with you. This or not, but that very first, I think we have actually the very first episode that we did. And you've been a great coach, by the way, for your listeners and the Six Pack Warriors out there. Um, but we were using one mic and sh- and and two two small headsets, um, and a
3: small desk, and a
2: small desk in my daughter's room because that had the most carpet and the least hard objects. We were concerned about the, our voices and and noises bouncing off of of. Uh, the the harder wood stuff in the, in the room, but, but, uh, so yeah, so we've done a lot of experimentation and, 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 and just in the short amount of time that we've been doing the five episodes. So And we've
3: had a lot of people step like my brother, who's very well versed in podcasting um and, and webinars technology, and, behind yeah, and the technology he's and help. he's jumped in and, and, and has helped us immensely. Um, yes. he's been, it's been, it's been great. It's been a nice little bond with my brother.
2: Yes. Yeah. All right. And there's definitely more- one other. Okay. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, boy, answer
2: it. So I was just going to say, and it's been, uh, um, you know, probably from, from my perspective, and I'm, you know, I don't want to speak for Kim because we've never discussed this before, but, you know, I now appreciate what the amount of time that you put into it preparing for it because it's, yeah, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's more than meets the surface. That's, that's for sure. And, and, and you want to do a good job and you want to pass on. And, and and just the title of it is Sharing the Catholic Faith. And that's, I don't feel like we're teaching it. I just feel like we're sharing, sharing. It. And yeah. I think there's a difference between sharing and teaching. And I, I, I like sharing better, when it, especially when it comes to God and, and the Catholic Church. And, you know, it's not so school where you're learning and teaching. Yeah. Well,
3: that's
2: coming from. And it's teaching come, right. coming teaching from is hearts. kind of boring, isn't it? Teaching is yeah. kind of boring, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
1: But and, that, and that too. leads, that leads to the uh, next question on this topic that I wanted to ask you about.
2: Are you having fun?
3: We are. I. I we are. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Kevin gets very excited, and she's she's more like we talked about on the episode yeah, last, last week. week. Kim's very more outgoing, more ex.
3: My excitement shows. Yeah. More and
2: and I'm kind of more inward.
3: More, yeah. So. Yeah. So we are we're, having fun. And we are we have, having fun. I feel like we're starting to get a little grooved down together. We can kind of go back and forth.
2: Right. And and, jump
3: and, in. Sometimes we just jump in with each other unscripted. And that's that's fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, you know, it's fun for our kids because they're helping us out, and listening to it, and, and critiquing us and
3: texting us during the <laughs> webinar, you know, so you're not loud <laughs> enough or.
2: Good job, or you know, and that's fun. So it's been a, a family. Uh, it's been uh, fun event.
1: Kimberly, you are the one who's excited on these webinars, and I want to stress for listeners, as I have stressed to Kimberly. Uh, I think all I had to one time. She <laughs> she's just naturally effervescent, and uh, but excitement is contagious it's contagious. If you're excited, other people get excited. And you know, whenever I first started out doing this kind of thing, I learned that the excitement is is contagious. And I would get the strangest looks from Catholics when I would tell them Catholicism is the most exciting lived experience I've ever had. You know, I've I've been a bounty hunter. I've been a businessman. I've uh, I used to cut meat. I've been a furniture maker, uh, oh. uh, and a wood carver. And I've been in, oh, I don't know, several other countries, uh, both in Europe and South America. Well, Canada as well, of course. But, uh, none of it has been as exciting as living the Catholic faith. But in order to live it, you have to know it. And, as much as I love you six-pack warriors, and I believe that you're trying your level best to do what you need to do, you need to understand that unless you've attended these Sharing the Catholic Faith webinars, I'm willing to wager you don't know your faith. You think you do, but you don't. And I'm willing to take a challenge on that from anybody at any time. I have a, I have a test prepared that anyone can get from me. And if you don't get at least 70% on that test, you don't know your faith at all. So, uh and it's the same thing that every Catholic eighth grader had to know to graduate the eighth grade 70 years ago. So the question you have to ask yourself, am I smarter than an eighth grader? You know <laughs> so that's good so kim your effervescence on the webinars uh, i've only listened to what i think two of the webinars but uh you know to give you some tips and pointers but uh do you find that you get a better response from the people in the uh in the chat area for the live event with your effervescence
3: i i Yes, I do think so. I think it makes people. Um, we've had a couple of questions. I think it makes people feel a little feel bit like more comfortable asking comfortable questions and, and or involved. And yeah. yeah, like one one okay. webinar we we were talking about. You know, which apostle? Who knows which apostle it was that wasn't martyred for the faith. And so I, we had him put it in the chat, and and, and everyone yeah. responded. Yeah, yeah, everyone responded, and I was you know excited. Like wow, and and most of them <laughs> actually knew that. I, that made me more excited. But, you know, I think, um, I do get some emails and people giving feedback and, and saying, you know, like, wow, like you really are into Peter. <laughs> you know, because last week we talked about Peter and that's really what kind of, he was a, a big, a big, big, influence um, influencer. In yeah. Him to, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think, and then when people also, I'm excited and they know some personal things about what connects what connected me to say yep i'm going to be catholic i think i think that um it draws people in more because you definitely why would you be drawn into something if you're just kind of mundane right and not very excited
2: right no and and like you said joe i mean it it is contagious and and uh i think it, it helps people want to get involved and participate and and that's good uh and you know whether i think uh Excitement is contagious when, when mm-hmm. someone sees that or senses that excitement, they, 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 they tend to respond to it very positively. And same, you know, it's kind of the same. If you see someone in need of help and you see someone helping them, that that's contagious too. It's right. kind of along the same line. Paying lines. it forward.
1: Yeah. yeah. It, I like that. Okay. It is. Pat, how have you personally benefited from doing these webinars?
2: uh that's uh boy that's a good question uh <laughs> i would say um, uh, you know it's it's definitely uh, you know they uh, got me into the bible even more uh last year i i was in the bible quite a bit i i i did the uh bible in the year podcast kim and i did that together um through with father mike um excellent uh and and that you know got me got me into the bible more so and i've heard you talk about it joe that you know catholics a lot of catholics think that they get the majority of their bible reading and verses um from sunday mass and and it's it takes a lot more than that so i've personally benefited from this as we've researched uh, the, the webinars each week you know we we put a lot of there's a lot of bible verses in those and that gets me to go back and 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 gets me back in the Bible, and once you get in the Bible, it's it's addicting. It's addicting, so it's hard to put it put it down. You know, right. you can't. It's hard to read just one verse without reading what was before or what comes What's after it. it. So, um, oh,
1: yeah. oh yeah, especially mm-hmm. whenever you uh, uh, get into oh, synoptic books like uh, like the Gospels or Tobit or the Pentateuch, yes. most of the Pentateuch. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's <laughs> it it is addictive. You know, it's it's kind of like reading a novel. And if you've got a version like uh like the Revised Standard Version, it reads almost just like a novel. You know, you don't have all of those ancient words uh to deal with like they used in the 15th century. <laughs> so um, right, right, right has it helped you any pat has it helped you any
2: spiritually it it has joe um it um i think from a, both an individual and in a sense of the of, of the family it has helped me spiritually uh it, just since it's something that we're doing uh every week um and and we're preparing for uh most days of the week we are at least looking at it or thinking about it we talk things over with our kids so it's helped me uh it's brought more personal and spiritual and religious conversations amongst Kim and I and amongst Kim and I and, and our kids so and they've been like we were saying earlier they've been a, a, a part of it uh with us kind of in the background more of the part um of uh, just helping us uh do better uh, and and but it's definitely helped spiritually just to, to bring Christ up and keep him up in the subject and the forefront of our thoughts and, and conversations.
1: Well, Kimberly, uh, then I'll go ahead and ask you how, okay. if, what well, first of all, has doing these webinars, uh, helped you in any way?
3: It has helped me. Um, I'm going to say I've always been a more vocal person about my faith. would not you say? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have, um, sometimes maybe that turns people off, but I have been more vocal about my faith. Um, but I think it's helped me to, what's the word I'm going to say? Pace myself? Right no, I don't know if that's the word. Be organized maybe about my thoughts on how to lead people to the truth. Maybe that's a better answer. Um, is that?
2: That sounds pretty good.
3: I, the, I mean, it's, the webinars have give me a framework on my thinking. Um, Because you know, if you get so excited about something, your I I get scattered, and then I look at people like, "What do you mean you don't understand? This is so exciting!" But the webinars help
2: me <laughs> structure of the it, structure
3: maybe. of it to to be able to share it in a way that people aren't like, "Oh my gosh, she's totally crazy." They probably think that anyway, but maybe a little less crazy. Um, but it has helped me. It also helped me to realize we depend on God so much for. So much in our lives because we have a lot going on, a lot of stuff that's impacted us. And we rely on God for that and we put it in his hands. But sometimes the little things are hard to remember. Oh, I need to pray about this. So like I said, we put the webinars in his hands, you know, and we pray about it and especially right before we go, go live, right, we, do. we pray about it. And so that we put it all in his hands and let the Holy Spirit kind of flow through us. And um I think that's really helped me to look at, you know, God even wants the little details of our lives. Um
1: Absolutely. Especially,
3: yeah. So I think that's helped me focus more on the little details. If that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. Okay. we, like I said, you are Catholics doing something, and all Catholics need to be doing something. We've talked about well, you know, initially you took over these uh, webinars, and we have talked about uh, podcasting. I think blogging was brought up at some point. <laughs> um, yes, you guys are all in for whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to, and uh one important thing that needs to be inserted here is that you guys pray you pray a lot you ask god to help you you ask god to guide you right. what i have always done from the beginning of this apostolate 35 years ago i don't ask god to bless what i'm doing i ask god to let me do what he is blessing and that is the case right. for example with uh with this show So all that stated, what advice would you give to listeners about Catholics doing something? Pat, let's hear from you first.
2: I I would say from a laity standpoint, um, just, you know, coming out of your comfort zone or getting involved in your parish or forming a group of Catholic like-minded um, and you know, have a monthly uh, meeting or a, a Bible study, or you know, just getting involved. I mean, I, I think so. I don't want to sound like I'm beating up our our, our fellow Catholics, but I, I was this way for oh, many beat years, them but. beat them up, Pat,
1: because <laughs> they need beating up. Otherwise, they're going to stay in their comfort zone.
2: Um, it, and and I've I've been there, and it's a the comfort zone's a good place, but. Just going to mass on Sunday, and that was that was you kind of check the box and ring the bell, and and you're good for the week, and go to confession, you know, a couple <laughs> times a year, one quarter. But and, you're not but, that way. But I'm not that way now, and I haven't been. And my, you know, my my journey through my faith, you, you know, really took off in the first interview we did. You know, was you know, I mean, from being the cradle Catholic to kind of springboarding was back about 2000 and i you know got very fascinated with fatima and and studying that and then that kind of uh, you know led me to really dig deeper into into my faith and getting to know my faith and my church and the Catholic church and, but uh, uh um you know i would just say getting involved in some aspect is you know and and then
3: it's the first step
2: it's the first step and then once that first step is taken a lot of times that's the hardest step you know like Again, these webinars, you know, I mean, you know, we were doing other things, but not in an involvement standpoint. From at our church, for the most part, we weren't teaching CCD or, or religious education classes or that. But you know, we 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 did that at home with our girls, and we taught them religion and taught them the catechism and and. Uh, um, and our boys, when, and we were boys were. when they were, yes, uh, I was no. more you because I wasn't around. That's right, you weren't around. You were uh, working, working a lot, but um, um. Yeah, just getting involved, and once you're involved, it's I think it's easier to take that next step. And, and you know, just from a standpoint, from just Kim and I, and now that we've started these webinars, like you said, we're we're open to other things. You know, wherever the Holy Spirit leads us, and 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 maybe it's just you need to take just that one step, and that's it. You know, maybe that's all God's calling you for at that time, or the Holy Spirit, or whatever. But mm-hmm. just just doing something, I think, is, is the is, all is right, the, then the first then let
1: step. Me summarize. Let me summarize what I think you're saying. What I think you're saying is that every Catholic needs to look at getting something that takes him out of his comfort zone to find out that God won't slap
2: your hand or spank you, (laughs) and that you can actually contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And make a difference. Contribute and make a difference. Yes. Yeah. You summarized that very good. I rambled on for <laughs> several minutes and summarized it in a second. That was- that, that was- oh,
1: as Reagan told Johnny Carson in last week's show, Uh, it was, it was, uh, uh I forget the word, something worded. It was, uh, but anyway, in this case, it's, it's, oh, delicately worded, but very verbose. verbose so. that's okay kimberly what kind of advice would you give to catholics about doing something
3: well first i would advise them to discern what they're being called to do and to um be open to hearing what the holy spirit brings down to them um right yeah definitely everyone's
2: different
3: everyone's yeah. different what my talents are are different from pat's our talents just happen to match up with the webinar right now and like well, you said i'm, I'm riding under you no you're
2: not, no, you're
3: not. <laughs> um you know uh i and i would step out of your comfort zone um and not to be afraid to try something new um i taught religious ed i obviously still don't do it i don't i don't feel that was what god was teaching me because you know my students would come in and say. You know that thing you tossed about the Holy Spirit last week? My parents said that's not true. So, you know, I don't even know why we're here now because, you know, my parents are telling me the things you tell, you're teaching me aren't true when I knew they were. So that was discouraging. Um, a friend and I, we took a leap of faith and we started a Catholic book club called Creed, Catholics reading, um, educating, enlightening and discussing. It was great. And it worked where, you know, it was a leap of faith because I, you put yourself out there as vulnerable because then you're reading true Catholic books. And sometimes there's things in those books that people did not want to um, hear. hear or read. And then I tried to start that same book club when I moved to another state and nobody was, you know, interested. So I decided, OK, God doesn't want me to do this. So I'll move on to the next thing. So I I have to say that it's discerning. You need to discern and, and do what God is willing wants you to do do his will and then you have to step out of your comfort zone um and and do it but and while you're doing it pray 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 yeah that's,
1: um and, and not good to, I...
3: yeah go ahead go sorry ahead.
1: no you, i was just go say,
3: not afraid you get that that idea of like oh i should be in a doing a catholic blog don't just dismiss it because you don't think you can do it um talk you know Pray about it. Talk to someone who, you know, is solid in the faith that, that can help you to walk through it or, um, talk to your priest or spiritual director, someone, um, so that you, you don't lose that, that thought, that train that, that thought that came to you that the Holy Spirit's trying to get you to do.
1: Okay. Good. I, I have frequently had the question over the years. How do you know the Holy Spirit wants you to do something? Well, you don't always. You don't always. Right. There have been numerous things over the years that I have attempted or uh, really gotten into that uh, uh, I thought the Holy Spirit was leading me, but it wasn't long before I determined, no, <laughs> this was me leading me and not the Holy Spirit. Right. So, But right. whenever you feel inspired to something, you've got to try it. You've got to try it. You'll find out in short order whether or not it's the Holy Spirit. Believe me, you can tell the difference. (laughs) And I have to admit, well, let me tell a little story. The priest who received me into the faith handed me, I, I don't even think they're in print anymore. He handed me a small penny catechism. They're called penny catechism. And he said, I want you to start sharing the faith with others. And I said, you know, I I was still a catechumen. And I said, no, Father, I don't think I want to do that. I want to just live my newfound faith in peace and anonymity. And he said, I understand that. Make sure they understand the ninth article of the creed. I said, Father, I don't think you heard me. I don't want to do this. He said, Sure, I get that. Make sure that they understand everything about the Holy Eucharist. I said, Father, what part of no do you not understand? And he said, I understand perfectly. Make sure they understand what the cardinal sins are. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he was an octogenarian and I didn't see any sense of hurting his feelings. So I wrote the archbishop. And uh, when I got his letter in return, it essentially all boiled down to one thing. Obey your pastor. I think you'd make a marvelous catechist. Well, that was the birth of the apostolate because, okay, the priest told me one thing. I didn't like it. I went over his head. I got the same thing from a successor of the apostles. Now it was a matter of obedience.
2: Right. And right.
1: I started doing it to this day, 35 years later, to this day, I never want to teach the catechism. I never want to share the faith. I, I, I shy away from it every single time. Those several years I was doing the webinars, I dreaded every Sunday evening, but I've also learned that. The only time I'm truly happy is whenever I'm sharing the faith. And a priest told me one time, he said, sounds vocational to me. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's an important part about Catholics doing something. I, I want to urge all of you listeners, the only limitation to what you do is what you leave yourself open to. You want to have a TV show sharing the Catholic faith. You can do that. You can do that. I can show you how to do that. If you want to have a radio show, if you want to have a podcast, if you want to blog, uh, if you want to just print and pass out tracks, I could show you how to do all of that, all of that, because the only limitation is your separation from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your guide. And he after a while, whenever you whenever you figure out the first few things you do aren't from the Holy Spirit, you'll eventually figure out how to tell whenever he's the one who's really telling you to do something. And right. all Catholics uh, need to be doing something. So yeah. yeah, well I you guys agree. I absolutely I, yeah. agree. And you
3: know, I'll, and not only are you like again, they, we came out of our comfort zone to do this, but it also, we have the people coming onto the webinar. We have some, I, I don't know, loyal people who keep coming back week after week. So thank goodness we haven't scared them away. Right. Right. Which then is reinforcement that we are where we're supposed to be, but it's also out of outside of sharing the faith. It's also forming a community. Because I'm always asking people, how can I pray for you? I write it down in our family prayers at night. We pray for all those people who ask. So I always started asking that on the webinar. And so that's kind of helped connect and form a community. And it shows then, you know, the church, the Catholic church, as we'll talk about the, the four marks of the church this, this Sunday night, it is universal. So we are connecting with each other through this webinar and demonstrating the force of the universal church.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I want to point out, I want to point out that right now forming what you call community is probably more important than it ever has been. Yes. Uh, the vast majority of our bishops are faithless. The USCCB is a criminal empire. They don't care about the church. They care about their power. There are only a handful of bishops who are good men, who I think all but one of them is a coward, and that would be Bishop Strickland, who incidentally is on the show every single week.
3: Yes, we talk about (laughs) that.
1: But because the bishops and this, oh, this pontificate is a dumpster fire, because of the confusion caused by this pope and all these wayward bishops. Right now the laity are left to drift in an infinite ocean. And I agree. Yeah. So this sense of of community that you mentioned, Kim, is so important to form. The uh this show uh this interview will probably be on the show in two weeks. I'm uh I'm okay. going to be running an I'm going to be running an interview with Father James Altman, I think the week before you, but uh, okay. I have to look at the schedule, but uh, what would you want to tell listeners about two things about why Catholics should be doing something and why they should attend the sharing the faith webinars? Well, I
2: think uh, why they should be doing something. I mean, we're, we're all part of the body of Christ, all part of the Catholic Church. So we, we all have a stake in this. Um, and, um, you know, it, we can't just rely on the Pope or just the bishops or the priests or the deacons or the religious to keep our faith going. It is, it's is—it's the laity needs to be involved. And I think, you know, you, you don't see a lot of that. And I think, um, you know, especially when you don't have good leadership, um From the top, that it makes the laity think, well, why am I even here? And I think that's why there's people leaving the Catholic right. faith. And and it, it, if you're on the outside, you're you're kind of looking in, thinking, well, maybe I should, you know, give, you know, maybe they're they're looking for something, and they look at the state of the church now, and they think, well, why why would I want to become Catholic with with all the the, the scandals and the, and and the, the the you know bankrupt dioceses and you know the empty churches and the the consolidation of the churches and the shortage of priests and you know how, how do we how do we attract them? Well, you know it's the laity. It's we have to get out there and you know share you know the the true meaning of the church.
3: Live and, the faith.
2: Live the faith and pass down what what Jesus started.
3: Right. And then to realize we're here to help build the kingdom of God, right? I mean, we're not just here to fill up our schedules every day and follow a routine and, and just live. We're, we're here to, this life has meaning, whether it be that joy that we have in our life or the suffering we have in our life, it all has meaning, meaning. for the
2: next life. But
3: yeah. And that we have got to do our best to spread the love of God. And now, and his the church teachings of his church so that you know we can you know have it be in his glory one day in heaven
2: yeah so, but and, why and, attend why attend i you know i'd say just ed you know you know life is about a constant education and mm-hmm. and and i and i think that a lot of people could benefit from this you know it's more than just scratching the surface i mean you know, you know, it's it's not you know multiple layers down in 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 the 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 dirt, but you know, we scratch more than just the surface. Right. I think there's and
3: it's coming from our hearts too. I mean, we're just an average Catholic couple who wants to make a difference in the kingdom of God others, and help right. others. And so this is how we feel that you know God has called us right um, now to do this. To do this, and it's we genuinely. We pray for, you know, all the people every, every night we pray for all those people who attend our webinar or register for the webinar and then the specific prayers, um, that people ask for. And so we, we, you're going to join a community. You're not just joining a webinar once a week. You're joining a community that people care about you. And, um, and we want you. We want people to know the truth, and and we're definitely not perfect. We we have a lot of learning ourselves to do. We we oh, yeah. we give that disclaimer every week. We don't know it all, but we are certainly trying to learn it all, um, and study yeah, and we'll and share it. yeah, and share it with with everyone. So um I think they should attend because we 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 love the church, we love God, and we love all those who are on our webinar, and and we ask that then that inspires them and maybe even just for them to do something would be to discern who they should be inviting to the webinar maybe right. god's not calling them to do their own webinar or blog or podcast but maybe he's calling them to start inviting other people
2: or to join just us. talking to their family good or point. Kids yeah. Or-
1: yeah the <laughs> uh you make a lot of good points here and i know from experience that uh well, look, you can't live what you don't know, and right. I even had one guy tell me in the, uh commenting about the webinars that it's like going to a Catholic university. Well, I told you it's eighth <laughs> grade material, <laughs> so, you know, that shows you just how little the lady know the faith. You're actually helping people get into heaven and... Incidentally, by Jesus' own words, nearly everyone goes to hell. Very few go to heaven. So by doing this, you're helping them get to heaven. You're you're building a pretty nice mansion for yourself up there too. (laughs) But folks, I'm going to urge you, please, please, please sign up for these webinars and attend them. They're recorded. If you register for them, you'll get a link to the recording the next day. But you can't ask questions of a recording. During the live event, you can ask questions. So sign up for it. And the way you do it, go to uh, cantankerouscatholic.com, click on the episodes page, and then click on the title of whatever episode you're listening to. And under that, then, you'll see my show notes. And find the spot in the show notes that has a link that gets you to sign up for these webinars. That's the best thing I can tell you, folks. And really, all Catholics need to be doing something. I thought it was great whenever Kimberly brought up Maybe God is just wanting you to spread the word about the webinars to get, you know, to invite other people there. And yeah, that is, I, I've seen a lot of that happening since, uh, uh, Pat and Kimberly started doing the webinars. A lot of people are doing that. It's obvious to me. So <laughs> Pat and Kimberly, I appreciate you being on the show today. And, uh, <laughs> boy, I, I'll probably be bringing you folks back again in another month or two just so you could, well, brag about how the Holy Spirit is doing things yeah. with these webinars <laughs> and you guys. So that's we'll a good thing.
2: And it, yeah, we're we'll back the
1: Holy Spirit. Ex- yeah, it's an example of Catholics doing something, and I really appreciate that. Pat and Kimberly, thank you for being here.
3: Thank Thank you,
1: Joe. Joe. We appreciate it and enjoy being on. Yeah. God bless. Okay. We'll talk to you again. There's little doubt in anyone's mind that society in America is in a state of entropy and utter chaos. So, what are you going to do about it? Wise families are preparing for that real caca hits the fan moment. Most don't know how to do it properly, though. There's so much to think about when preparing to protect your family. It's overwhelming. In How Your Family Can Survive When Society Collapses, I've done all the research for you. In this comprehensive guide, I tell you everything you need to know to be able to protect your family and learn how to live off the grid. In fact, following the things I teach in this book will not only help you to survive, but your family will actually be able to prosper. Get your copy of How Your Family Can Survive When Society Collapses Now, today, while there's still time to prepare. You'll find a link in my show notes at cantankerouscatholic.com, or you can go to the book section on the
0: Joe's Stuff page. It's time for the Sacred Heart Winds with Bishop Joseph Strickland. Each week, His Excellency answers your toughest questions about the Catholic faith, the problems in the church, spiritual questions, catechetical topics, or anything else you want to know. If you have a question, just email it to joe at cantankerouscatholic.com. Now here's Bishop Strickland and Joseph Pack, the Every Catholic Guy.
1: Hello, Six-Pack Warriors. We have Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas back with us. So, Bishop Strickland, thank you very much for being here. How are you today?
4: Good, Joe. How
1: are you? Oh, just thrilled to be sitting here. (laughs) Another Monday. Okay. And as you pointed out, it's actually Wednesday, so... Excellency, for this week, Robert has a, well, it's, it's really kind of interesting. I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm interested in how you put it because you're much more eloquent than I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, my wife and I just came from mass and one of the prayers of the faithful was for us to accept and treat immigrants as children of God we all responded, Lord, hear our prayer. That got me to thinking about how we, as Catholics, should view the millions of illegal immigrants who are streaming into the United States without the due process that our government has set up for legal immigration. Sometimes I get the sense that our church leaders, priests, and politicians are making Americans like me feel like uh, who would like to finish a secure wall to protect our borders from these illegals from coming in. What do you say?
4: Well, Joe, I think that uh, Robert's question is, is one of the main questions of, of our time in this nation and the church teaches really the way I would look at it. As I've reflected, I'm sure we all have thought about this a lot. The, The individual person, every one of us, created in the image and likeness of God, the sacredness of the individual person is under attack in our world. Amen. And extending that, the church teaches us that nations have a a right and a duty to uphold their sovereignty for the sake of all the individual children of God in that nation. Um, All of that has been blurred and, like so many things, sort of uprooted and disconnected from the traditions of our faith, the traditions of our nations. And it's all just, it's sort of all up for grabs. And it's a very dangerous time. And too many in the church are... Part of that, mixing it all together. Absolutely. Every breathing human being is, and even pre-breathing, those in the womb that aren't breathing yet, that are being nurtured by the umbilical cord attaching them to their mother. Every human being from conception to natural death. Yes, they're precious children of God. And we never need to look at anyone. What does Christ tell us? Love your enemies. And sadly, the enemy can take many different forms. In, in the time of Christ, it was true. In our time, it's true. Certainly, those who are at the borders of our nation or of whatever nation. And from what I'm hearing, it's not just the southern border, it's the northern border now, more and more. All the borders. There, Every person there, of course, is a beloved child of God and needs to be treated in that way. But when they're doing something illegal, the, the state has a right and an obligation, really for the sake of every individual person. The person committing a crime of illegally entering a nation or of illegal illegally entering a Jewelry store and robbing it. When people are committing crimes, the best way to love them is to stop them and say, You're not allowed to do this for your own good, whether you believe it or not. That is loving the person as a child of God, to have laws, to have restrictions, to have law and order. That is for every person. So a lot of that seems to have been lost. And it's just like, well, you know, it's it's immoral to have a border. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's chaos. And too many of the leaders in church and state, I'll just say it, too many seem to want chaos. And they're certainly promoting chaos. That's not good for anyone. That's not good for the many people that are, coming seeking asylum, that are finding themselves in dire situations in their own country and looking for safety, looking for something better for their children and for their families. They're caught up in it along with the people that are nefariously and totally taking advantage of, I started to say taking advantage of the system what they're taking advantage of is a lack of system, a lack of law, a lack of law and order. Um, so that prayer of the faithful in, you know, too many times. I mean, it really is a sad time that you have to kind of really be careful about what you're praying for at a mass where uh, the prayers of the faithful are being offered too often there's a political agenda there that undermines the true good of the individual. So absolutely every person needs to be treated as a child of God, but we need to learn better what it means to treat people as a child of God with justice and mercy. It's like mercy, 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 but mercy without justice is a mess and that's where we are
1: yeah amen bishop i think you said that very well if i may robert i'd like to own uh add my own perspective as catholics we're taught to uh, hate the sin and love the sinner and we should love every single one of these immigrants but as his excellency said, we sure don't show all mercy and no justice because truly when it, you know one of the works of mercy is to instruct the ignorant and to admonish the sinner. I being cantankerous as I am, I don't ever hesitate to admonish the sinner. <laughs> so you know we have to force our leaders in this country and we have to force wayward bishops and priests to see uh, that obeying our laws is justice but to also have compassion for these people in that we wish them no harm we wish them no evil we're going to love them would you agree with what I said excellency
4: absolutely Joe um We've got to really, sadly, relearn what it means to be a just society and relearn what is the good of the other. I mean, that's what real love is, is to desire the good of the other person. And that has to go deeply into our actions and recognizing that the good of another person isn't to say, well, you want to take drugs and destroy your life, then we just support you in that. We'll we'll supply the needles. That isn't mercy. That isn't love. That is injustice in a classic way, but we've, we've lost our moorings in so many ways.
1: Yes. Thank you, Bishop. I think that is a wonderful response to Robert's question, and we appreciate you answering that. Next week, we'll have a question from Peter. So thank you very much, Excellency, for being here. Have a great day.
4: Thanks, Joe. God bless.
1: Help this apostolate while you help yourself. First, check out what I have for sale on cantankerouscatholic.com on the Joe's Stuff page. I have books, coffee mugs, and t-shirts. Your purchase helps this apostolate. On the episodes, blog, and about pages, there are Catholic Amazon items in the sidebar. I change those offerings every week now. When you click on those images, as long as you shop at Amazon after doing so, this apostolate gets a small commission on everything you buy. Please help this apostolate while you buy whatever you're going to buy anyway.
0: now here's Joe Sixpack. In this week's Catholic Boot
1: Camp, I'm turning it over to Simon Rafe of Church Militant. You really need
5: to hear this, and I'll close for Simon with a comment. How do you dress for mass, hopefully wearing Sunday best? I'm Simon Rafe, and I'm taking the hard line. Welcome back to Hardline, the show that upsets you, because I'm right. I'm Simon Rafe, and joining me later will be Joe Enders, my producer, and Jules Gomes, our Rome correspondent. We will be having fine and intellectual chats you can listen to and say, quite so, quite so. But for now, let's talk about what you're wearing at mass. And when I say you, I mean you, if you are a dude. A guy, a man, a person assigned male at birth. Unlike many people out there, I know what is a woman, and I know I'm not going to be addressing the subject of what women should wear at mass. It's a good topic. It's a conversation that is worth having, but I'm not having it today. It's not even that a man shouldn't be telling a woman how to dress, although I suppose there is a little bit of that. Maybe Christine Niles can tackle the subject on her show, Forward Boldly. I'm not addressing it today. The reason I'm not addressing it is that the main problem, or, and let's be honest here, the main perceived problem, the main perceived problem with women's dress at mass is that it's immodest. It's undignified. It denigrates rather than elevates the feminine. It's distracting and may tempt others to sin. And all of that is... Probably true, although I will be honest and say a tangential hard line here is that the sin it tempts people to is more often than not rash judgment and uncharity rather than unchastity, especially for you. And by you, I mean the ladies, the girls, the females, the what that is a woman. If you are a woman and you are watching this, then I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think dressing immodestly for mass is really all that big a problem for you, If I were to talk about it, it would be me railing against someone other than you, and you would be able to go, quite so, quite so, and feel good about yourself, united by a feeling of superiority against someone else. Thank you, Lord, that I am not like that tax collector who dresses like a slut. So, I'm not going to talk about what you are wearing at Mass if you're a woman, but I am going to talk to you if you are a woman, because, well, let's be honest here, ladies, what men wear in social settings is often strongly influenced by the women in their lives. So, don't tune out if you're a lady, but realize that I'm talking to you and taking you to task as well as the guys. With all of that said, gentlemen, can we start dressing properly for Mass? And when I say we, I mean you, because I dress like this, plus a matching jacket. Maybe you do. If you do, great. Please continue to do so, and encourage other men to ape your sartorial style. If you have authority over any of these men, they are your sons, employees, what have you. If you have authority over them, exercise it. Don't just encourage, require. But if you don't dress properly for mass, start. I am deathly serious. Every single time I go to Mass, and it doesn't matter where I go or to what kind of Mass, it can be a full orchestral TLM with choirs and incense and priest and deacon and subdeacon and enough altar boys for none of them to have to do more than one thing. Or it can be a Midwestern suburban boomer Novus Ordo mass where the priest invites the congregation to shout out their own contributions to the prayers of the faithful. It doesn't matter where I go, what kind of mass it is. There are always, without exception and without fail, men dressed inappropriately, casually, not smartly, informally. Call it whatever you want. Sometimes, sometimes it's even scruffily or slovenly. Jeans and a t-shirt, sneakers, a sports jersey showing the number and name and team of some overpaid ball handler. If its heart maybe shorts and flip-flops. In the winter, some coat that Amundsen would have found useful during his sojourn to the South Pole. Maybe none of it is ironed. Maybe it's pulled or stretched or a little bit dirty. It often has some branding or a logo on it. The name of the aforementioned posse of ball handlers, a music group, or just the name of the corporate fashion house. I use the term under advisement. Maybe just the name of the corporate fashion house who designed it and paid pennies to a sweatshop to have it sewn. You know exactly what I am referring to, and you are already starting to pretend you don't. You want to make this about me telling you to dress like a fashion plate, like it's black tie, that you need to be rocking a $3,000 set of tailored Armani, or I think you're a slob. You want to argue the outlier cases of the person who has literally no clothes other than jeans and a t-shirt, or the hardworking blue-collar guy with mud on his steel coat, toe caps, and dirt under his fingernails, who is coming to mass after a long stint in the mines, or the factory, or the mill. I ain't talking about any of that, and you know it. I ain't talking about the time when you are on vacation and you are walking through the streets of the quaint little main fishing village and there's a church and you nip in just to see it and mass is just starting so you stay and surely the mean old limey wouldn't tell you I have to miss mass rather than attend in my women want me fish fear me t-shirt. I ain't talking about the situation where your car breaks down and you have to change the tire and your suit is ruined and you have a set of overalls in your car so you wear them and all right. So I'd throw you out of mass, even though you got there in time for it and got the family there just because you're dressed like Beau Brummel. I ain't talking about any of that, and you know it. I'm talking about the general normal state of affairs. When you get up in the morning for a 9.30 mass at your parish, and it's a half hour drive away, so you leave at 8.30 to get there in time, so you're putting your clothes on at 8 and pick something smart. A shirt with a collar and cuffs, a sports jacket, maybe a tie. Certainly leather dress shoes and trousers that aren't made of denim. Definitely not some branded jacket, not a t-shirt or polo shirt. Maybe, just maybe, throw on a suit. A suit is not an expensive investment, gentlemen. There are places in every major city where you can get a suit for probably less than you spend on your ensemble of jeans and t-shirt and sneakers. It's a good investment because there are so many times when you can wear it. If you were going to meet the head of state, the president, the king, whatever is appropriate for your country, if you were going to meet the head of state, you would wear a suit. Even assuming you don't dine at the White House on the regular, there are always times when you are meeting someone of a higher rank in a formal situation. If you were going to the bank to beg forgiveness on a loan you desperately needed, but had no chance of paying back, you would wear a suit. If you were going to court to beg a judge for leniency for a crime you committed, some transgression that you could be justly punished for, you would wear a suit. If you were going to meet a man and ask for permission to court his daughter or even to ask for her hand in marriage, you would wear a suit. Or if not... A suit, something smart, possibly formal, certainly not casual. It would be elegant and sophisticated and not associated with leisure or comfort or ease or athletics or relaxation. Because all of these examples, the head of state, the creditor forgiving you, the judge showing mercy, the man granting a beautiful largesse. All of these examples are what you are doing at mass, but even more so. You are begging forgiveness for awful crimes. You are begging mercy on a debt you can never repay. You are meeting the literal king of the universe. And you are entering into the most wonderful love story the world has ever known. And you go schlepping up in jeans and a t-shirt because... Because what? Because it's comfortable? Because God doesn't mind? He's just happy I'm there? Because you've got to cut out and get to the ball game afterwards? Let me tell you why you go up in jeans and a t-shirt. It's because it doesn't really matter to you. Oh, you'll say that's not true. You will say you demand to receive on the tongue that you receive kneeling. You will say you insist on only attending reverent masses, masses where the priest preaches the homilies he should be preaching. And all of that is true and probably wonderful. But when and if you dress for mass in something other than your Sunday best, well, you are giving God not your best. It's that simple. The Catholic life is not a collection of separate grades that are averaged out. So if you do badly on something, but well on another, it all bounces out and you pass. It is a series of separate things and you are expected, no, no, you are required to give your best in each of those. God demands your best. He doesn't demand the best. He demands your best. And for clothing for mass, that means Sunday best, your best. I'm not talking about some objective standard where you get tossed out on your ear if you don't have this season's fashion. I'm not talking about outlier cases of emergency or damage or surprise. Although, although I'm doing something after mass is never an excuse. Carry the workaday clothes in your car and change after mass. I'm not talking about outlier cases of the impoverished, the working man squeezing mass in between the shifts he has to work for his family, the time your washing machine exploded, and all you have is the, my sister went to Boca Raton and all she got me was this lousy t-shirt, t-shirt. I am talking about the general, normal situation where you get up in the morning and you pick your clothes. Or, or when your wife or mother picks your clothes. Ladies, prick up your ears, I'm talking to you now women have an enchanted nearly supernatural power over men in their household that power is not your persuasive charms focused through your beauty and loveliness although you do have that no the power you have in a traditional catholic household is simple you do the laundry you determine what is clean what is available what is laid out for the men in your house to put on ladies If your husband or sons aren't dressing right for mass, you have the power to change that and you should, and they will welcome it because of your persuasive charms focused through your beauty and loveliness. Because this is the final point I will finish on. It's for the single guys. Gents, a well-fitted suit, even just a set of smart clothes, when all your contemporaries are dressed like they're going skateboarding, a well-fitted suit on a guy is like catnip to a young lady. It silently says a whole bunch of things about you to her and more importantly to her parents. Gentlemen, if you want to get someone to do your laundry, you need to start paying attention to it yourself. Simon had some
1: wonderful analogies about when you'd wear a suit or jacket tie and slacks, but I think he left out the most important one. If you were invited to a private audience with the Pope or a dinner with him, how would you dress? You wouldn't go to meet with the Pope the way you ordinarily dress for Mass. You'd go wearing a suit and tie, or at least a jacket, tie, and slacks, wouldn't you? Don't say you wouldn't, because I'll tell you right now that you're lying to me at best, and lying to yourself at worst, and lying to God, worse of all. No, you'd wear the best you've got. Well, if you'd wear your best to meet the Pope, why on earth won't you wear your best to meet the Pope's only boss? When you're at Mass, you're meeting with the King of the Universe. Dress like it. You might want to sit down for this one. I'm going to stop asking you for gifts to support this show and begin asking you to help me get more listeners to the Cantankerous Catholic. It won't cost you anything except a few minutes of your time. The more reviews the Cantankerous Catholic gets, the more often it's displayed by the podcast aggregators when people are looking for new podcasts. Occasionally, this might cause the Cantankerous Catholic to get attention from podcast magazine, the industry's trade magazine. So click on the link in my show notes that says Rank and Review the Cantankerous Catholic so more Catholics can join us. Then write a short review. It doesn't cost you anything, and it doesn't make me anything. It just gets more listeners for the cantankerous Catholic, and makes the USCCB livid. That's a good thing. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week, we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Dominic Savio. He said, I am not capable of doing big things, but I want to do everything, even the smallest things, for the greater glory of God. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. St. Lucy was reported to be a Christian and was led to the governor of the city for a trial. She couldn't be made to give up her faith. The governor, admiring her bravery under torment, scornfully said to her, Is the Holy Spirit in you? She calmly replied, They whose hearts are pure are the temples of the Holy Spirit. The governor spoke angrily, But I'll cause you to fall into sin and the Holy Spirit will leave you. She answered, and I, remaining faithful to God, won't consent to sin, so that the Holy Spirit will double my reward. Then the tyrant had her dragged to a place of sexual immorality. But since no power on earth could move the pure virgin to commit sin, she was brought back again to the governor. Lucy said to him, you see now that I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he protects me nothing evil can happen to me unless he permits it. The governor ordered a fire built around her. It burned fiercely after oil had been poured on it, but Lucy remained unharmed. Finally, a sword was plunged into her heart. A priest came to her with communion. Then she went to be with Jesus. As long as you're in a state of grace, the Holy Spirit lives in your soul as his temple. There he gives you all the graces you need to avoid sin and practice virtue, just as he strengthened Lucy to avoid temptation. Remember the Holy Spirit in your soul and pray to him for help when you're tempted by the evil spirit. Never put him out of your soul by committing mortal sin.
0: This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy.